Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Hey, it's Adam Carolla. The greatest time of the year is back. College basketball. That's right. March Madness, March Mania, and March Money. Join in on everyone's favorite game, the Bracket Challenge Contest at betonline.ag. Sign up for a free account, receive your 50% welcome bonus, and make your picks. All the early lines for all the games are now available, so don't miss out on any of the action for the next three weeks at betonline.ag, the exclusive partner at Podcast One Sportsnet. This is Forbes Under 30 on Podcast One. And I'm your host, Steve Goldblum. On the Forbes Under 30 podcast, we talk to young innovators, disruptors, and entrepreneurs. Today, I'm sitting down in studio with Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. Together, they're the minimalists, authors, podcasters, and two guys who are living life with the least amount of stuff as possible in order to make room for more, but not more things. And we're going to get into all of that now. Uh, And I should point out... That they're sitting here looking at me right now, which is exciting because normally this is on Skype and it's just not this intimate. Yeah. So there's a connection here that I'm through. When I walked in here and you guys are both huggers <laughs> and you embraced me yeah. in, into your arms, both of you separately, <laughs> uh, I was taken back. I think you could tell I was taken back, but in a good way. Good. So why don't we good. just start with uh, by breaking the ice, which we already did with our hug. Well, that, uh, that's exactly what it's for. You know, you go to a place like like Seattle, and they have this thing called the Seattle Freeze, and, and you, yeah. you instantly think people are colder. We live in in Montana, Missoula, Montana, and and sixty two percent of the population has guns there. So you have to announce that I'm a hugger. So you notice the <laughs> yeah, first you thing do. that I said is I'm a hugger because I don't want to get shot. That's right. right. Yeah, and, and so I could be concealing and and carrying. That's yeah. right. And so, so what we what we try to do is is really break that ice and i found you know we we started doing tours like what this is our we're in the middle of uh, of the less is now tour right now it's our eighth tour in seven years and um it's one of the ways that we break the ice in our events as well you know people come out and we get the opportunity to, to hug hundreds of people each night it's pretty yeah. it's pretty great and you know what you learn a lot about someone uh when you give them a hug it's like how uh, so well, you know, if they it, whether they embrace you, like there's a few different types of hugs, right? Like some there's like kind of like the standoff like side hug, yeah. Which you know to me just says like okay, this person respects their or they want me to respect their personal space, right? Then you've got like the person who will embrace you and like slow dance a little bit, you know. And it's like uh-huh. okay, this linger, per- the right, linger, exactly. they linger a little bit, That's yeah. But, but no, you you can learn a lot from from hugging someone. Yeah, what kind of hug did I give you? Just so v- listeners can get a sense of. You, you, me. Were, you, I could tell you were comfortable with hugging. Could you tell? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah. you didn't give the bro hug. I mean, a lot of the times, and, and this is ass out. Yeah, you pat on the shoulder. Yeah, it's it's the double tap. <laughs> yeah, and it's even a flat hand too. So you can't see this on the radio, right. obviously. But like, it's just a flat hand, tap tap, and then please get the hell away from me. <laughs> right. right. This is different from that, right? And you 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 embraced. Yeah. But you didn't linger. It didn't turn into yeah, like it was, the, it was nice. the creepy yeah. hug. Yeah, I have a very cushy, cuddly approachable physique i've been told <laughs> so maybe that's what it was i think i was giving off something like that yeah, we don't yeah, force yeah. them on people though they're totally optional right. we, we do hand no, no, hugs no. too yeah. <laughs> and taking a quick break to say the smart new way to buy business travel is upside.com use the code forbes and you're guaranteed at least a hundred dollar gift card your first time using upside minimum purchase required see site for complete details also business can be done from anywhere in the palm of your hand and at the source however you move your business forward 
with Business Platinum, it's not about where you are. It's about where you want to take your business next. And nothing helps you like the resources and know-how of the Business Platinum card, backed by the service and security of American Express. You guys have been friends since you were in fifth grade or five? Yeah. Fifth graders. Fifth graders. Since we were fat little fifth graders. Really? Yeah. So what was that? Now, who introduced who to who? What, what happened? Well, I uh, – so my, my parents split up um, when I was like seven years old, and I was living with my mom up until like the fifth grade. And then I moved in with my dad and uh, went to school. Like, and it was like right smack dab in the middle of the school year. And I remember like walking into class and, you know, like any fifth grade kid's first day of school, I was very, very nervous. And I see this kid – who who has a mullet, by the way, <laughs> yeah. and uh, he was fatter than I was, and I was like, oh wow, like man, someone's because I used to be like the fattest kid in my class, right? Back in you know in my old school, and I was like, oh wow, there's someone who's fatter than me, and I'm like, him and I, we're gonna get along, like we're gonna you know, and we did, we we bonded over cheeseburgers and cheese fries and cheese sticks and any other cheese related products. Uh, but yeah, no, we hit it off pretty good, and uh, you know, we played toe jam in our own. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> same, same for you. Yeah, yeah, we we've known each other, you know, for those what last twenty five years, I guess. Yeah. We're both thirty five now, and it was interesting. Like, I, we both grew up poor. Like, we were in different circumstances, but I was on food stamps and government assistance, and and I thought the reason we were unhappy growing up is we just didn't have a lot of money, right? And so. When I turned 18, I, I went out and got that entry-level corporate job back in Dayton, Ohio, and I spent the next decade climbing the corporate ladder. And uh, Ryan did, did the same. You know, we, we even ended up working at the same company in our, in our early 20s. And, man, I spent that decade sort of climbing, climbing, climbing. And, and I think by age 28, I, I sort of achieved everything I ever wanted, right? The, yeah, everything that we're supposed to achieve. Right. The, the six-figure salary, the luxury cars, the closets full of designer clothes, and the big suburban house. And, and I was sort of living the American dream. And there was a sense of discontent with that. And you're always constantly wondering, like, well, why? If I achieve this next thing, then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And then you get there, and the happiness doesn't necessarily come with it. Or if it does, it's fleeting, right? And, uh, and then for me, when I was 28, my uh, two events happened to me that, that really changed my perspective. My, my mom died, and my marriage ended both in the same month. And, and really, th- those two events forced me to look around and, and start to question what had become my life's focus. And I realized I was focused on all the wrong stuff, so-called success and, mm-hmm. and achievement. And I was especially focused on the accumulation of stuff. And while I might have been living the American dream, it, it really wasn't my dream. And, and it took getting everything I thought I wanted to realize that maybe, maybe this isn't what I want at all. And that's really when I stumbled across this, this thing called minimalism. It was it was sort of by accident. I found it on Twitter. There was a guy who owned like fifty two items, and that would seem kind of cool to me. But it was and it was admirable. But was he traveling abroad? Yeah, he, he was. In a new country every four months. Right? Yeah, I don't know if you've seen our documentary, but in yeah. there's there's a, a guy named Colin Wright. It was that guy, and so he everything he owned fit into his backpack, which was great for him because a kitchen table was a liability. It can't fit into the overhead bin on an airplane. And, and so he owned just the things he needed to augment his lifestyle, which was traveling all over the world, new countries every, every four months or so. And I said, well, I like that, but maybe this minimalism thing isn't for me because I like having a bed and a, a couch and a coffee table and a kitchen and a home to come to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you know what? I don't think this is for me. But then I found a bunch of other minimalists as well, like minimalist families like Eva and Leo Babalta. 
and they had six kids, and there were this whole minimalist family, eight of them. I said, oh, wait a minute. Okay, I don't want to have six kids, and I don't want to travel the world in perpetuity. Maybe there's, like, this comfortable middle. And I realized that, man, there, there are a bunch of different flavors of minimalism. And if I want to simplify my life, I really have to figure out what the recipe that's right for me is so I can pursue that. And, and I did that. I spent about eight months simplifying my life. I, I got rid of about 90% of my material possessions over, over the course of uh, uh, eight months. Now, that sounds radical, right? When you right. have 90%. Now, did you know that the average American household has 300,000 items in it? And so if you think about that number, like if you get rid of 90% of your stuff, you still got, you know, what, 20, 30,000 items. It, it doesn't mean that I'm living like a monk or an ascetic. It just means that if you come to my house now, you're, you're going to probably walk in and say, wow, he's tidy. And it's because I don't own a bunch of stuff. Right. But everything I own, it serves a purpose in my life. Was uh, this before the Marie Kondo type of yeah, – uh... Yeah, the, the whole Marie Kondo thing was around 2014, yeah. I think it happened. So, so I first embraced minimalism – again, it was about a month after my, my mother passed and my marriage ended. It was uh, 2009, right. Uh, right around there. And I was still in the corporate world, but people at work started coming up to me and, and noticing it. I never jumped up and said, look at me, I'm becoming a minimalist. Uh, but people were like, hey, you seem less stressed or you seem so much calmer. Or, Why are you being so nice lately? Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really opened the door for me to talk about minimal- minimalism. Ryan came to me one day. We were, we were at work. And he said, I want to take you to lunch and talk about this. And he sat me down and he said, why the hell are you so happy lately? Mm-hmm. And, and that was like this perfect gateway for me to say, hey, man, there's this thing I've been doing. I've been simplifying my life with, with minimalism. And Hey, man, you've got a lot of crap, so maybe maybe it'll help you out, too. Well, you guys, I just want to bring this up, and we'll, we'll get to you, Ryan, with your with your story, too, because sure. I should point out, you're both wearing what I've seen you wear before, black, base, sort of black T-shirts, uh-huh. black, I don't know, let me go down it, black I, pants. I mean, it's very simple. Don't forget about my minimal. bright orange shoelaces. Bright or- I do I that, do too. get some color, man. I like a little, I like <laughs> I, a little peacocking as well, too. Yeah. Socks, too. You have to go big socks. I know <laughs> what you mean. Um, you guys, what were you doing in the corporate world? Before, because I looked at your TED talks, and it's interesting. You guys both, you have, there's two TED talks, uh-huh. and one you kind of flip. One has the lead in the first one. I right. think that was uh, Ryan's. Yeah. Ryan has the lead in the first one. Josh takes the lead in the second one, and it's beautifully choreographed. Thank you. I really recommend these TED talks, and and clearly, uh, like a million other people have, have enjoyed them as well too. But there, while the person is talking, you really make use of the space, and there's boxes, and it's just it's like there's a lot of preparation, which I appreciated went into this. Thanks. How much? You must have practiced those oh, TED man. talks. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, like, like, yeah, yeah. Hours and hours and hours. Yeah, yeah many many months in advance. So, so in the corporate world, I, I was a director of operations for 150 retail stores, at, sort of at, at my pinnacle. Yeah, this is uh, back in Ohio, in Dayton, Ohio. Okay. And you're both business. Yeah. Degrees, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah tel- telecom. So home internet services, okay. wireless, all, all of these things. And, and Ryan ran marketing for those same, so those same okay. retail stores, business yeah. marketing. You're working and, together. Yeah. yeah. We, we ended up working together and, and both uh, married young. Yeah, yeah. Real young. He, he was well, especially young. Yeah. I was married at uh, 18, like any smart 18 year old. Sure. <laughs> does. Wow. Okay. Married so you had like a, a marriage before. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I was married for about four years. Mm. Um, and I remember even, you know, when her and I were married, money was always this source of discontent. So when I had the opportunity to jump 18. over to the corporate world, yeah. I was like, man, like, you know, this is okay. Uh, so we got divorced and I jumped on the bandwagon in, in the corporate world with Josh. And I was like, all right, this is going to, this is going to make me happy. And the next relationship I get in, money won't be an issue. Yeah. And um, it's funny, you know, if you were to tell my 18 year old self, what my 28 year old self was going to have, I would have been the most excited 18 year old ever. Uh, I would I would have just been like, oh wow, I'm going to be so happy when I'm 28. Right. But at 28, I was miserable. I was I had a lot of anxiety. I was depressed, 
and I just didn't really know what was important anymore. I was I was drinking a lot. I was doing a lot of drugs. Um, I was just using as many pacifiers mm-hmm. as possible and just really felt um, out of control. And, uh, you know, couple that with working 60, 70, sometimes 80 hours a week. When I went to Josh and um, asked him, like, hey, what's been going on with you? You seem pretty happy. Like, maybe, uh, you know, at first I was like, what drugs did the doctor put you on? Right. Like, give me some of those drugs. Right. And he's like, no, no, no antidepressants. Um, and he told me about this thing called minimalism. And it made sense to me, man. I was like, oh, if I don't have this huge mortgage hanging over my head, if I'm not buying a new car every couple years, if I don't go out of my way to rack up $300 bar tabs on my credit card and put you know these vacations on my credit cards, like maybe I actually could regain some, not just financial control, but really control of my time. Like that's what I was really, that's why I was really turned on to minimalism. Mm-hmm. I just thought like, wow, if I didn't have this crazy luxurious lifestyle, um, I wouldn't have to put in all these work hours and forsake some of the most important aspects of my life. And maybe I'll be a little bit more stress-free too. And taking a minute to say, I found the best way for you to buy business travel. It's Upside.com. And if you're not a business traveler, you know someone who is. You have to tell them about Upside. Here's why I really like it. At Upside, you save money on travel and you get a free Amazon gift card worth hundreds of dollars every time. You get savings and a big gift card free. Here's how they do it. Upside bundles your flights and hotel together for one low price. Bundling saves a ton of money, especially on business travel. So they give you an Amazon gift card. Your company saves money and you still keep all your miles. And right now, when you use the code Forbes, you're guaranteed a free $100 Amazon gift card your first time. The code Forbes gets you a guaranteed $100 Amazon gift card. How can you not do it? Upside, save big on travel and get a big gift card every time. Upside.com, that's Upside.com. Minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. And this show is also brought to you by the Business Platinum Card from American Express. So yeah, I jumped in, you know, kind of head first, man. I I, I was like, great, I, I want to be a minimalist, but let's figure out something that I can do rather than pare down over an eight month, you know, period of time. Right. So this is where, uh, where you saw in that first TEDx talk where we talk, I talk about the packing party. So we came up with this crazy idea where we would pack up all my belongings as if I were moving. Right. And then I would unpack only the items I needed over the next three weeks to really get an idea of what was adding value to my life. So Josh came over and helped me box up everything, clothes, kitchenware, towels, TVs, electronics, everything. And uh, I just remember sitting there um, after the packing party. Josh had left, and I'm just looking at these boxes stacked halfway to my 12-foot ceiling. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that was kind of like my first real um, – I don't know, man. Like, I, I guess anytime I change anything in my life, I have to, like, really change my state. I really have to get uncomfortable to really get something out of, uh, out of, this, out of that transition. So that was kind of like the first first moment I really felt my my state changing. It's like, wow, here are tens of thousands of dollars worth of worth of things that I've brought into my life over the last decade or so to make me happy. And it'll be interesting to see like what is actually doing its job. And uh yeah, I, I for the next three weeks unpacked, you can imagine, like some clothes for work, bed and bed sheets, toothbrush, mm-hmm. uh, toiletries, um, Unpack the Wi-Fi like the very first night. Like, gotta get that Wi-Fi out. Gotta get the get the uh, Direct TV out, you know. And uh, over the next three weeks, I just started unpacking less and less. And I had about after that whole experiment, I had about eighty percent of my stuff still left in those boxes sitting there. And that's that was uh, that was huge for me, man. And I I went to Josh 
and he's always written fiction. And, uh, I mean, ever since I've known him, even in, like, high school and stuff, uh, he loved to write. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, I was not a writer. Like, you know, we had essays to write, and I'm like, oh, i got to write, like, you know, this five-page essay. And Josh is like, oh, i get to write a five-page essay. So I I went to him, and I'm like, dude, this is a really cool story. Like, we might be able to do something with this story, and you've got a pretty cool story, too. Um, You know, so we decided to do what any two 30-year-old dudes would do. We started a blog. (laughs) that's where the minimalist.com started well we want to get to the blog but also i mean the exercise that you did the packing exercise is interesting i mean it's it's a great it sounds like it's a great starter for people to get into minimalism but also asking the question as you've said josh like does this add value to your life yeah i I think i think that's important because we we own a lot of stuff we we all in, in in this culture we've been told we've been sold this meme of the american dream you need to own a whole bunch of things and Ryan and I aren't against stuff. We're not against consumption even. I think we all need some stuff. The question is, what stuff do we need? And I wish I could come in here with like a one-page piece of paper and say, mm-hmm. Steve, here are the 100 items you should own, and you're going to be happy. Oh, and you have a wife and kid. Here's the next 150 items you should own. Right. Yeah. Right. Because, well, I don't have a wife and kid yet. Well, either, so. then give me that piece of paper yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, and, and so like that, that – that formula would be easy, but the truth is the things that add value to my life may not add value to yours and mm-hmm. vice versa. And so uh, I'll give you a good example. Ryan loves to snowboard. I am the least coordinated person you've ever met. And and so I have tried to snowboard exactly one time, and I will never try again. I almost killed him. It was yeah, bad. He, he really did. <laughs> and, and, and so I wouldn't get any value from, from his his snowboard if I owned one. And so like that adds value to his life. It doesn't add value to mine. So I'm constantly asking that question. Does this thing add value to my life? And especially when I was paring down my stuff, I looked around. I was overwhelmed. I'm like, I've got a lot of these things. I know I do get something from some of it. And so here's the weird paradox of minimalism. As a minimalist, the things that I own now, I get far more value from having fewer things because I have fewer things, but they tend to be better things, Mm. higher quality, uh, more value adding. And they're things that I tend to use every day or at least relatively frequently. You know, one of the rules that we that I have in place in my life is the 90-90 rule. And so have I used this thing in the last 90 days? Right, right. Am I going to use it in the next 90 days? Oh. And if not, I give myself permission to let go. Now, there are obvious exceptions. There might be some seasonal things. But for the most part, I decide to let go of things that I'm not using. I have a few cosmetic products that we could uh... – yeah, <laughs> easily, easily let go of. I'll tell you, that's one. Of the, it's funny you mention that. That's one of the best things um, that I recognize right away about uh, this whole journey is when I unpacked the toiletries. Because, like, if you were to go in my shower before mm-hmm. I had this packing party, you need six different gels just in case. Yes, you need it's them. crazy, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And then after doing that experiment for 21 days and using those toilet that, that I'm using on a daily basis, I'm like, oh, what? Like, my shower was like so much. I had one shampoo, you know, one conditioner. Uh, one face wash. It wasn't like, you know, three bottles of shampoo, mm-hmm. a little leftover of this, you know, conditioner, a full bottle of that conditioner. And the yeah, absolutely right. Like the hair products, like was, I had one specific right. thing I was using uh, for, yeah, like gel or whatever it was. Well, one part of the problem you guys solve, which is getting rid of it. But the other part is like Norman Lear calls this the uh, United States of excess. Mm-hmm. Like we just buy a lot of stuff. We can't help it. We go out. I, I'm buying things that I have. We're trained to buy stuff that we already have. Yeah. So do, do you realize why, though, right? I mean, it's quite often because we can't find the thing that we – you know, it's misplaced somewhere. It's in a basement, attic, drawer, or mm-hmm. something. You don't realize. You're like – Oh crap! I did have you know an extra charger for my iPhone or whatever, but I went ahead and bought another one because right. I couldn't find the other one. And the other thing too, I mean, we we get hit with about 
5,000 advertisements a day. So it's over a million a year. And that really that really sinks in somewhere subconsciously, right? I mean, at a certain point, I was thinking, oh, man, if I get my partner a luxury car and I put that big bow on it and, you know, blindfold her and bring her out to the, you know, driveway on Christmas morning and reveal it. Like, save my marriage. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Like, that would have saved my marriage. But, but you know, at the end of the day, minimalism, I think, helps us filter through all that noise. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we are in a, uh, in a place right now, so, you know, pre-industrial revolution advertisement to a large extent fulfilled needs and after that whole industrial revolution like now marketers go out of their way to create the need and i mean and we talk about it in our our julia shore uh, talks about it in the documentary where they were spending you know hundreds of thousands of dollars advertising to children um you know a decade or two ago and now, I mean, it's in the it's in the multi millions that they are, you know, advertising mm-hmm. to children, trying to create that need. So yeah, it's that is why I th- another thing that adds to why we consume so much is because we get inundated with so many bits of input, so many advertisements that say, oh, if you go on this vacation, you'll be happy. If it's you industry. buy this car, yeah. you'll be happy. If you yeah, if you drink this beer, you'll be a real man. And at the end of the day, uh, we've got to be able to figure out some way to kind of filter through all mm-hmm. that. Are you? Um Josh, you talk a little bit about um, – let's see. You talked about your marriage. What was it about that? I mean you were also married very young. Yeah, I got married at I, – I, so I met my former spouse at age 20. We were married by 22. Right. And we were I was together. getting divorced as he was getting married. Okay, right. <laughs> so you were the perfect person to go to for advice. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, told him what not, I could tell him what not to do. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know what? It, it was – the marriage was – was an okay marriage but that was sort of the problem i was a good husband but like i forsook the people closest to me i had my priorities all out of whack you know i I, if you would have asked me like what are your priorities i would have given you some lip service answers like well my health is a priority now i used to weigh 80 pounds more than i weigh now now okay people can't see me on this but like i'm I'm relatively thin right but i i used to be fat i was overweight and and my relationships were in shambles because i spent most of my time with networking and networking folks and executives and coworkers mm-hmm. and 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 people who were fine people, but I, I the people closest to me didn't get the time that they deserved, and that's the reason my marriage ended. I certainly wasn't focused on it, and and you know, I didn't feel like I was creating the way I wanted to create. I wasn't contributing the way I wanted to contribute, and so I wasn't living the life I wanted to live. I didn't feel like I was living a meaningful life. I felt like I was just constantly busy. And in fact, we use that word all the time as sort of this badge of honor, right? Like, I, uh, hey, you want to grab coffee? Tomorrow? People love yeah, saying how busy yeah, they are. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm, I can't. I'm just so busy. Oh, what's going on? Oh, I'm just so busy lately. Mm-hmm. And for me, that that tells me if whenever I say that, what I'm really saying is my life is out of control. Mm-hmm. I'm letting other everyone else dictate my schedule. Mm-hmm. And I'm not focused on the things I actually want to focus on. And so I avoid being busy now, and I'm much more focused. And because of that, my relationships are better, my health is better, and, and I, my overall life is better. I feel like I create more, I'm contributing more, 
and and it's not about money. I mean, we all need some money. I mean, I'm not against money. I'm not allergic to money. It's no longer the primary driver for doing what I do, though. And a quick break to say this podcast is brought to you by the all-new crossover Toyota CHR. Visit toyota.com slash c-hr to learn more. And small businesses are at the heart of our communities. They're the places we could not live without. Whether you're looking to create a website for your business or a personal blog, you'll make a big impact when you build your site on wordpress.com. Even if you don't have experience building a website, wordpress.com can guide you through the process. They have hundreds of customized themes to get you started. You'll get built-in social sharing, and if you're on WordPress.com, you immediately have a leg up on everyone else when it comes to search engine optimization. On WordPress.com, you are part of a community with support 24-7 when you need it. Come see why more websites run on WordPress than on any other platform. Get started today with 15% off any new planned purchase. Go to WordPress.com slash Forbes to create your website and find the membership plan that's right for you. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes for 15% off your brand new website, wordpress.com slash Forbes. The, the experience that you had with the loss of your mother is something that everybody goes through, um, and everybody also goes through the inheritance of other people's stuff. Right. So, you know, you there was a touching moment in your talk where you said the only way out is to let go. Mm-hmm. So uh, what advice do you have for people dealing with that? Uh, I just went through something like that with my family where you're you're sort of – Looking at all these photographs, and you're like, "This pillow was from Shanghai. Who wants this? So what do we want?" And and everybody, the the reality is, a lot of it's got to go. Right. So what what advice do you have for people? When what was that experience well, like? Well, you, you used three words earlier, uh, just in case. And, and um, I think we we give ourselves permission to hold on to a bunch of stuff we don't need, just in case. And I, I found that for me, those three words are the three most dangerous words in the English language because. It's a justification for holding on to something I don't need. I'm probably never going to get value from. And and so my first foray into to minimalism was actually dealing with my mom's stuff. When she passed, you know, I spent a lot of time with her down in Florida as she was going through chemo and radiation. But but when she finally passed, I, I had to, to fly down there one last time from Dayton, Ohio, to deal with her stuff. And, and so I went down there, and I found about three apartments worth of stuff crammed in a mom's tiny one-bedroom apartment. Now, she wasn't a hoarder. It wasn't like the TV show or anything. Right. But she just had a lot of things. And, and, and I think we all accumulate stuff. She had 65 years' worth of accumulations. And, and as I was going through the stuff, I, I, I learned some important lessons. Like as I was, I was going through the things and found, like, her living room was stuffed with a bunch of stuff, her bedroom, her bathroom, her closet. I mean, she had 14 winter coats in her closet. In Florida. Yeah, yeah, she lived in St. Pete Beach, Florida. Yeah. She, some of the coats literally had tags on them still, but we consumed things. I think I'll buy that because maybe I'll, I'll wear that one day, or I'll hold on to that just in case. And so, and then I found these, these four boxes under her bed, and I talked about that in the talk, where the, it was my old elementary school paperwork, and I all these memories came rushing back and I realized like, Oh, she was holding on to all the memories in those boxes. But then I thought to myself, like, wait a minute, th- those boxes, they had a bunch of packing tape on it. They'd been sealed for more than two right. decades. She hadn't accessed the memories in those boxes. And that really helped me understand something important for the first time that, that our memories aren't in our things. Our memories are inside us. Mm-hmm. And, and my mom didn't need to hold on to all that paperwork to hold on to a piece of me. I was never inside those boxes. 
But then I had to be honest with myself. I looked around her apartment, looked around all her stuff, and the U-Haul that I had ordered, and the storage locker that I had had ordered to store all of her stuff. And I said, well, wait a minute. I'm getting ready to do the same thing. Except instead of storing her memories in a box under my bed, I'm getting ready to cram it all into a big box Mm -hmm. with a padlock on it, just in case. Right. And so I I called up U-Haul, and I canceled the truck. Then I, I called and canceled the storage locker. And I spent the next 12 days selling or donating pretty much all of her stuff. Uh, and, and I learned some lessons you know, about the memories, but then also I, I learned about value. I, if I'm honest with myself, I, I wasn't going to get much value from that stuff as it sat there in a storage locker, locker locked away in perpetuity. Right. But, but the truth is that, that if I decided to let go of it, I could add value to someone else's life. You know, Find the stuff a new home so someone else could use it because I'm not going to get value from it. Someone else might. Well, what advice do you have? I mean, this is the big ticket for people. I think how do you extract yourself from sentimental items? Yeah, yeah. And by so, the way, you can call my mother later and <laughs> probably say that. There's like a whole basement well, full well, of trophies. I, so I think it's important to realize. So, so the one thing I did go back to Ohio with were, was a handful of her sentimental mm-hmm. items. I had like an old painting and a few photographs, some of her old little doilies or whatever, like artwork, whatever it was. I, I had a handful of sentimental items. And that helped me understand that by having fewer sentimental items, mm-hmm. we're able to enjoy those sentimental items much more. I get far more value from the few items I kept than if I were to water them down with, with dozens or hundreds of different little trinkets, right? And, and, and so the, the lesson about sentimental items is let's have some sentimental items that actually do add value to our lives, and let's give ourselves permission to let go of all the other stuff so we can get more value from the things that we're holding on to. You mean like digitizing pictures? and Absolutely. I, I think it's important to, to look at, at – if you look at, at the, the photographs I went home with, I didn't just store them in an attic. I didn't store them in a basement somewhere because that's what we often do. That's what I used to do with all – or you put them in a photo album that no one wants to look at. But if you digitize it, put it in a digital picture frame, people actually – they come over and they're like, oh, look, was that the time you were in Hawaii? Or right. The digital picture frame, for whatever reason, we as human beings are like – we're drawn to that screen. And so, so I find that that was a much better way to display pictures than just keeping them in a box in a closet somewhere. I want you to speak into the microphone and say, Lynn Goldblum, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to throw out Stephen's report card from 1992. Hey, Lynn, listen up. Now is the time to let go. Let go, let go, mom. <laughs> let go. You know it's it's funny because my dad, my dad is gonna write you a handwritten note <laughs> thanking you. Well, she's holding on to those things for buy you, your right? Book. Like somehow that's gonna mean I guess something so. to you yeah. later in life. Yeah, and she's probably thinking it's that a it's fight they have all the time. And my dad's retired, so they they have that fight, you know, like twice a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you know, you, you could also tell your mom the same thing, like, hey, you know, when when you pass those report cards on to me. I'm yeah. going to let them go. I'm going to let them and go. And I'd really appreciate it now if you'd let it go and not make me let go of your this stuff. This is helpful. <laughs> Lynn's listening to this as she's walking around a lake right now. So I can tell you. That's great. Yeah. Here's the thing. You can't help someone who doesn't want help. But but if you're looking to inspire someone, I mean, whether it's with our documentary or one of right. our TED Talks or, or whatever – um, I found that Ryan and I aren't out here proselytizing. Like, I don't want to convert Lynn or anyone else to minimalism. Right. Like, that's not what we're trying to do. What we hope to do is share a message that some people get some value from. And we're not trying to say you need to be a minimalist. What we're saying is maybe you might benefit from simplifying. And so I think for anyone listening to this, it really starts with a question. And that question for Lynn or anyone else is, mm-hmm. how might your life be better with less? 
And I think if we answer that question, we're able to identify what the, the purpose of minimalism is for you. I can't wait. I, I, after this conversation, I'm going to get into my car. I'm going to start throwing stuff out. I can feel it, I can feel it coming. It is, it is, it is um, therapeutic in a way. Uh, letting go Absolutely. is contagious. Well, I think all of the physical clutter we have, it's kind of, yeah. you know, this external manifestation of what's going on inside. And once we, you know, kind of start with that clutter, which I think it is just the starting point, because mm-hmm. anyone who's listening to this can run a dumpster and throw everything away and be completely miserable, you know, getting rid of all their pacifiers, going home and sulking in an empty apartment or right. home or whatever. But, but you know, getting rid of the clutter and making room for the things that you actually love. You know, it's funny. We were doing, like, some kind of live broadcast. I don't know, like, what platform we were using. But um, someone had made a comment. They're like, you know, I've been listening to you guys for the last 10 or 15 minutes, and it doesn't sound like you've gotten rid of anything important. And Josh was like, no, we haven't got rid of anything important. That's everything the idea. We, yeah, everything yeah. we have is important because we got rid, rid of, you know, the superfluous things in our lives. We should go over to the the cubicles over there, right? In this office, <laughs> and have right an now. intervention. Have, no, no. Yeah. Again, we don't like to we, like. We don't have to start with your desk. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. we don't force people. You don't to force people. Yeah. No, no, that's yeah. good. That, that's yeah. the wrong approach. This Can you that. imagine if I would have went to Ryan and said, "Hey, man, I'm a minimalist now, and you need to yeah. be too if you want to be my friend." That, that would never work. I would have right. felt judged. I would have been like, "Who the hell are you? I right, like right, my right. stuff. I don't want to get rid of my stuff." Yeah, I'd rather lead than drag someone to minimalism, kicking and screaming. Well, let me ask you this: because you both had good jobs, yeah. You're both earning good money. Uh-huh. Now you have two really compelling talks, which I really recommend. You got a podcast. You have a web series. You have a documentary. You have a book. Man, how much is like there? Lot. How much? <laughs> how much can you? What yeah. are you doing on all those different platforms? And how are you not repeating yourself on all those different platforms? Because, like, as someone that makes content myself, I'm always wondering, like, where does it all come from? How do you keep it going? Well, I think that. Well, we, so the the first vehicle we used was a blog. And that got relatively popular um, about a year after we started it up. And we didn't really have any idea of, of what was going to happen. Um, all I know is that, like, I started this whole journey with uh, paring down, you know, uh, paying off some debt, saving some money, getting to a point where I could live off of, like, a barista salary. And that really resonated with people on the blog. Mm-hmm. I like that you use a barista salary as the example. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is a barista salary? I, I was, yeah. yeah. I'm okay. 23, 25,000 bucks right, a year. Right. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, by the way, I could still do that right now. Like, I might have to move apartments, mm-hmm. um, but I could easily, like, move back home to the Midwest, get an apartment for yeah. 500 bucks a month. And I could, I have no debt right now. I'm debt free for the first, or I became debt free for the first time two years ago. And um, to me, like, that's the true freedom. Like, that is what minimalism has brought me. So uh, the blog got popular, and it got to a point where Josh and I were like, oh, well, we're the minimalists. We should write a book about minimalism. Right. So we, we, we published a book, and that went you know, really well. The book went really well for you know, a year or so. So the book years. sold well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went on tour with that. Um, but it got to a point where you know, we knew we were reaching only so many people. I don't know if you've ever heard the statistic or not, but it's like 49% of males in the United States – uh, will read um, uh, not even one full book a year. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't read. Um, so, you yeah. know, having the podcast. Literacy statistics are always <laughs> a little depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Ha- sure. having, having the documentary, the way we look at those things are uh, different vehicles to deliver this message, the, the TEDx talks. 
they're all different ways to uh, to deliver that message. But I'll tell you, man, we did not start off from day one where I was like, okay, Josh, we got to write three books. Uh, we had the documentary. We want to come out in 2016. Oh, we want to start that podcast in a couple of years. And, oh, we also uh, want to, you know, be uh, have a couple TEDx talks. And, you know, I mean, we, we layered it on as we went, and we never did anything, uh, you know, reactive. It was always mm-hmm. very intentional. And we're breaking away for a minute to introduce the all-new crossover Toyota CHR. Embrace the unexpected. It's edgy and effortlessly takes center stage with its distinctive style and unique spirit. Uniquely expressive, CHR's precision-cut lines let it shine from every angle. Born from the ingenuity of a race car driver, CHR is designed to maximize driving pleasure every time you turn the wheel. Agile handling helps show off its athletic side, whether you're cruising through the city or taking on your favorite winding road. Tucked away neatly throughout your CHR are advanced safety features and measures that are designed to help keep you alert and safe in the event of an accident. Because as any good driver knows, accidents can happen, and when it comes to driving, the best defense is a smart off. So embrace and express that bold spirit in the smartest way possible. Visit toyota.com slash c-hr to learn more. Drivers are responsible for their own safe driving. Always pay attention to your surroundings and drive safely. Depending on the conditions of roads, weather, and the vehicle, the systems may not work as intended. And the Forbes Under 30 podcast is brought to you by wordpress.com. Get 15% off any new plan purchase at wordpress.com slash podcast. That's wordpress dot com slash podcast when josh talked about us being focused earlier i mean that's that was that's the perfect way of saying it because every year like we will take one major project and focus on it so you know in 2014 we went on a hundred city book tour with our book everything that remains uh 2015 it was kind of our year of giving we built schools we built wells we uh, funded high schools in africa uh, with supplies that they needed um Mm. we we uh, uh built orphanages 2016 it was the documentary when it came out we went on tour with that and then this year we are doing this other tour with the live podcast because of the documentary we our audience has grown so much uh you know we like to get on the road and see you know our our, our audience and give them hugs and and, and well <laughs> and the, yeah there's like an evangelical questions. approach to the the, the the minimalist the, the minimalist because it is a difficult thing to say the minimalist <laughs> say because that the the um because you can always make you can always convert people I think it's very freeing and it, you can see why people would want to be involved so when you look at the podcast what, what, what how do you approach the podcast each well, week well so right now while we're doing the tour we're doing these live podcasts which mm-hmm. is different I mean usually the podcast what happens is people call in it's almost like your old school call in show except they call leave us a voicemail and then we we interact that way so Ryan and I will answer questions and then and we try to help people we, we have a theme each week so like this week's theme uh, we just we just put out was, was on hoarding we talked about the sort of psychology of hoarding and going through that and so we have a theme each week and we answer questions with respect to that theme except when we do these live events then we get inter- interact with people and the nice thing about that is if we have a crowd show up and say a thousand people are, are there you'll see that 500 of them were dragged there by a family member usually, right. right? You're bringing your mom or your spouse or whoever. Your mom's bringing the granddaughter, whatever it may be. And and I found that the the light bulbs in the middle of that start going off above people's heads. Like, they were dragged here willingly, obviously, but all of a sudden we've said some things that start to click because this isn't a radical lifestyle for us. It seems radical at first. You hear the word minimalism. You hear 90% of my stuff's gone. But then you start to get into the details and you're like, 
oh, that doesn't seem radical. That just seems right. really practical to me. Yeah, and, I can't tell you how many times like people will call into a radio show and they're like, it sounds like you guys are just talking about common sense stuff. And we're yeah. like, yeah, it is pretty common sense, I guess. But unfortunately, you know, common sense isn't that common these days. Right, right. Well, now, how do you – how long before – I know you already have all these different mediums uh, online and, and on, on the podcast and, and through the documentary. But how long before, like, HDTV approaches you and says, <laughs> we want to do a makeover show where you come yeah. in and you are going all over the country and we're, – we're, we're filming some stuff right now. So, yeah. so, With HDTV? Uh, no, not HDTV, <laughs> yeah. but we're, we're working on some stuff. I mean, the, the documentary made it to Netflix, and that was really big for us. Mm-hmm. So we're talking to Netflix about a series and, and – uh, we're talking about a, a more detailed special on on really you know, our our stories because the documentary allowed us to to broadcast a bunch of different perspectives uh, from different minimalists around the world, and we wanted to we also want to flesh out sort of the stuff you saw on those TEDx talks. We want to take that and and really show people how, how was it possible to get from A to Z? How, how did you go from being this suit and tie corporate guy, which was nothing wrong with that? To being a minimalist, there's right. obviously quite a few steps between A to Z there, and so we're working on that as well. We're just finding the right vehicles to communicate the message, and it's different for different people. You know, the the book that we wrote called Everything That Remains, it was our second book, and it was a memoir. And I found more people have gotten value from that who are you know, deep readers, and then we've had other people who have said. I haven't read a book in the last 20 years, the first right. book I read, right. and, and it really resonated with me. So that's one vehicle, but that's not going to resonate with everyone. So the question is, how do we find the right vehicle to communicate this message with as many people as possible? Do either of you incorporate meditation into your life? Yeah, I do. I, uh, I'm not very good at following like rules that, that I hear people say about meditation. Mm-hmm. Like My whole thing is I will try to at least sit for like a minute of and have some quiet time. And that sometimes will turn into 15 minutes. Sometimes it'll turn into 30 minutes. I will use different apps, you know, Headspace app. There's a 10% happier app that Dan Harris has, which is a great app. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, yes, like it is, it is very important for me to, to have a little bit of quiet time. Um, now I have like a very ADD mind. So my mind is constantly wandering and, uh, it's very hard for me to just sit there and be quiet. So sometimes I'll just, before I start you know, meditating, I'll just think to myself, like, okay, what am I, what am I trying to focus on today? Like, what do I really want to accomplish? And maybe I'll just have like one thought, three, four words that um, will stand out. And I'll, if I find myself wandering, I will kind of go back to those three, four or five words to kind of at least help me stay focused on one thing. So yeah, it's absolutely something that, uh, that I think if it's funny, because five years ago, meditation, like, I would have just said, like, what is that? Like, woo woo stuff. And um, after, you know, listening to people like Dan Harris and reading his book, 10% Happier, mm-hmm. it really takes the woo-woo out of it. And there actually is science behind uh, meditation. And I'm, yeah, I'm totally on board with it now. Yeah, someone who, like yourself, Dan Harris, had like an epiphany yeah. right on the air with his newscast and, and changed the direction of his life. Yeah, I mean, he sort of had a, a nervous breakdown yeah. on the air, right? And, yeah. and that really, he realized, like, wait a minute, I need to take back control. and. And for me, minimalism has been a way for me to to take back control. As Ryan said earlier, the, the those physical possessions are a physical manifestation of what's going on inside of us. Because we have a lot of external clutter, but we also have a lot going on inside. We have mental clutter, emotional clutter, spiritual clutter, financial clutter, all of this internal yeah. clutter. And once we start dealing with the stuff outside, it allows us to look inward and start dealing with what's going on inside. Well, where do we go from here with the business? Where does the where does the business Man, go? Man, you know, as long as people keep showing up, we'll keep doing what we do. I mean, ultimately, what we want to do is what I think everyone wants to do. They want their work to be as meaningful as possible. 
And as long as we can continue to produce meaningful works, um, and there are different, like Josh said, different vehicles that we can use to to get this story, to get this message out there. And that's really that's kind of what I people will be like, oh, you're motivational speakers, or you know, you're you're gurus, or whatever. And I'm like, no, nah, I think we're storytellers. Like we tell our story, and it's a it's a nice recipe. And people are able to kind of tweeze ingredients out of there. So, you know, as as long as we can keep adding value by sharing that recipe to other people's lives, then if HGTV calls us and it makes sense, we'll totally do that. By the way, Steve, I'll tell you, man, we have totally, like, had producers reach out to us. Right. I remember the first time we were ever pitched, like, you know, hey, we want to talk to you about maybe doing a reality show. We don't really have an idea. We just want to have a conversation with you. And one of the first questions they asked us was, so what kind of drama do you guys experience at your events? So, like, right away, Josh and I are like, this yeah, they, probably, they, right, probably right, right. isn't going to work. Like, yeah. this is probably yeah, not going to work. the intentions are going to be different. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. We're kind of allergic to, to drama, uh, manufactured drama, at least, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the tensions are, are already high with right. the stuff. I mean, <laughs> you, when someone's dealing with their, their, their things, you don't have to, you know, th- throw your you know, uh, stuff across the kitchen yelling at your spouse uh, for the tension to be there, yeah, and, and so yeah, whatever. We don't, we don't want you parachuting into like divorced groups and, and, right. and people dealing with, right. with a horrific like loss going, in their life. I mean, it's it's nice if they want to buy your book, but I don't think we want to bring the whole camera crew. <laughs> right, right. Or the, like going uh, into home and like getting shiver. rid of like yeah. somebody's hoard like while their spouse is away. <laughs> yeah. Terrible idea. Oh my goodness. Well, that's what shot. I recommend. I mean, you guys are both very inspiring people. The talks are inspiring and. Um, I hope you keep your independence because you can obviously just then keep doing what you want to do and, and don't let anybody uh, – don't, don't become misguided by that. So I think you guys are on the right track. <laughs> I was going to say, no, like if we have you know some good book sales or you know whatever it may be, yeah. it's like we don't think to ourselves like, oh, how can we like – how can we stash this or how can we go get minimalist jets? It's more about like, okay, what can we invest our resources in right. to, to uh, put more out there, to, to spread this message more? Well, I, I appreciate you both coming in here face to face. I'm going to get up and hug you, say yeah. goodbye. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, where should people go when they want to when they want to get started? Well, what's, the, what's the best? Uh, you can head over to theminimalists.com. That's 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 the, the minimalists.com. We're in the middle of a tour right now, so you can come say hi and get a hug in person as well. It's 40 cities this year. It's called the Less Is Now Tour. All the details are at the website. There you go. It's a very warm hug. Thank you very much. Thank yeah, you very much. Feet. Appreciate it. Take care. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under30, that's the number 30, at podcastone.com. And one more thing, download the all-new Podcast One app now in the App Store or on Google Play. Find out everything about your favorite shows and get more content. There is no other podcast app like this. Hey, have you heard? Podcast One has a whole bunch of awesome new shows filled with big names that are waiting for you on our brand new amazing app. This one's a game changer. There's Norman Lear talking to Amy Poehler, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Charles Barkley. Geffen Playhouse Unscripted with Brian Cranston, Josh Gad, and soon Neil Patrick Harris. Nice. OC Real Housewife, Heather Dubrow's World, Lady Gang's Three Mimosa Podcast with Leah Michelle, Nelly Furtado, L. King, and more. Plus every episode of the Adam Carolla Show, Dan Patrick, and Rich Eisen. And if you like what happens in the ring, we've got Steve Austin, Chris Jericho, Chael Sonnen, and a whole bunch more. So download our one-of-a-kind new app and see for yourself. Go to the App Store, Google Play, or download it now at podcastone.com. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying. 
And the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.